This is the Public Record Podcast, a public service of the Public Record, the Coachella Valley's Business News Weekly. My guest today is Dr. Becca Levy, a Yale professor and a leading expert on the psychology of successful aging. Welcome, Dr. Levy. Thank you. Great to join you. What is an epidemiologist? That's a good question. Uh, An epidemiologist is somebody who studies uh, illnesses and disease and, and public health issues on a population level often. You've been studying aging for a while. Yes, I have. I've been very interested in the topic of aging, particularly in how cultures differ in how they treat older people and how those differences in culture can have a real impact on our aging health. We have kind of an ageism issue through many cultures. Can you speak to that a little bit? Are there differences? Yes, we have found that there are pretty big differences. Uh, And unfortunately, the mainstream American culture has many examples of ageism, and they seem to be growing uh, worse over time. But there are also cultures and cultures within the mainstream culture that have much more positive views of aging that we can learn a lot from. For example, can you give us an example? Sure. So actually, I really became interested in this topic when I traveled to Japan. And I went there because they have the longest lifespan in the world. And the first thing that I noticed when I got there is the views of aging seem to be much more positive and there seems to be much less ageism in the culture. So older people are often treated as rock stars or centenarians and super centenarians are celebrated on television shows and they have a national holiday that celebrates older people. So, uh, yeah, there are many examples of older people being treated quite well. You say ageism is internalized at a young age. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so unfortunately, research shows that children as young as three or four will often have taken in the negative messages of their society if they're out there. So we know that it's really important to think about prevention or making sure that there are positive images of aging that we present to our children in in different ways. I certainly can remember as a child the not-too-subtle implication to, you know, don't play with older children, don't play with children too young, you might hurt them. Certainly through the K through 12 and really into college, you're sort of segregated into your little birth groups and kind of told not to go too far outside of your age range to uh, have friendships. And this seems to be true in other cultures as well. In fact, I think that's one of the reasons that ageism has prospered is because there is so much age segregation in our society. So it's often, often children have, uh, don't have many interactions on a daily basis with older people. And and that's something that definitely we can work towards improving. Are there things we as individuals can do to combat ageism? Can you name two or three ideas? Some of the ones that seem to be the most powerful are the ones that increase our awareness. So just becoming aware of our own age beliefs, and also the way that older people are portrayed, you know, in everyday life, um, in social media and television and books. And something that I have found is really powerful is to create something called an age belief journal. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about that. That's interesting. It just involves writing down any image of aging that one sees, like, over about a week. And marking whether it's you know a positive portrayal or a negative portrayal and also it seems to be important to notice when older people are just absent from something so 
if if somebody watches a if you watch a movie and everybody is 25 or younger then that's important to write down that you know older people are just not included in that in that movie so i think marking whether people are older people are present uh, you know and how they're present and also when they're excluded seems to be a really great step to start uh, changing or improving views of aging that's a wonderful idea to raise our own awareness of how prevalent ageism is. I often look at the listings on meetup.com to see what kinds of activities there are. And I'm all, I always have to laugh out loud when I see groups that are like 20s to 30s or 30s to 40s only. And I wonder, uh -huh. I wonder to myself, so what happens when the organizers of this group age out of their own group? Are they now excluded <laughs> from their own group, or do they just keep raising uh, the age uh, to accommodate themselves? I always think that's kind of an interesting thing to ponder. Um, yeah, that sounds like an interesting study to conduct, find out how people handle that. But yeah, I mean, so that I mean that that's a great example of a place that probably there shouldn't be limits on on age. Like it would be great to have these meetup groups that are age inclusive and people of all ages could join. Can you talk a little bit about ageism in the reverse, where younger people are discriminated against based on their age? And I'm talking about adults over 18. Yes, yeah, so there are surveys that show that younger people in different workplaces um, do face uh, feelings of, of age discrimination, you know, not being valued as much as they could because of their younger age or lack of experience. Uh, but most of the research uh, on ageism has shown that it's really the, I mean, so they, they can age out of that. So as they get older and get more experience, but it's actually later life ageism that we see just a lot of examples of people being fired or not being hired at all because of being an older age. What can we do about our education system that reinforces this age prejudice? Uh, can we look forward to mixing up our K through 12 education system to focus more on academic achievement rather than social promotion? Or is that pie in the sky? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great idea. And actually, I, there are some programs that have started to do that. So actually, my daughter's went to a program that uh, has that emphasis on skills um, as opposed to uh, grades for, for younger grades. So yeah, so I think that's, that's a great idea. And I think also generating uh, a repertoire of positive um, books and movies and stories that you know, teachers can bring to children or, or young adults you know, of all ages, I think could be really great in improving the education system. That's a good point. A lot of this uh, age stereotyping occurs in stories and particularly fairy tales. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes. So there are a number of fairy tales that are still very popular. So I, I remember um, one of the ones that scared me as a child was Hansel <laughs> oh, and yeah. Gretel yeah. or, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, so this the story of the older woman that captures the children and fattens them up and wants to eat them. So there's these terrible images of older people that are part of fairy tales that are told to children still that, that are out there that we could definitely, um, we could definitely reduce the number of times that those stories are told to children. I want to go back to your idea of keeping a journal. I think this would be a good exercise for business leaders to do, to have an audit of their own marketing activities 
and and other communications where they're they're rather they're touch points for all stakeholders to be sure that ageism isn't creeping into their uh, programs and of course the most insidious ageism is in hiring practices um, why don't we talk a little bit about age discrimination in hiring and what could be done about that that's a great question so we know that it's uh, a major problem there was a recent survey that found that 60% of workers reported experiencing or observing ageism. And we also know that in diversity, equity, and inclusion programs and policies that uh, they often do not include reducing ageism or inclusion of older people. So there was a survey of diversity, equity, and inclusion programs in 77 countries and only 8% included reducing ageism or including you know older people as one of the groups that deserved recognition in the workplace um, so yeah there's a lot of room to to improve policies and programs around reducing ageism you know talking about ageism in the workplace one of the things I've observed casually over the years uh, and in one area in particular I'll talk about is one of the unspoken things that employers look for is the social aspect of working in a business. And I would go to a um, very well-known, I won't mention the name, but a very well-known CEO conference every year as a journalist to cover this thing. And I would attend their HR seminars. And year after year, I would hear the answer to the question, what do you look for employees? The answer would always be, we're looking for people who are a good fit. And after a while, I came to the conclusion that that was code for people who were my next best friend. And I wonder if a lot of this discrimination doesn't occur because many adults have the workplace as their primary social outlet these days because we all work 80 hours a week. So we don't have time for kind of outside activities where we might socialize with other people. So we look for our friends in the workplace. And, of course, we tend to, maybe unconsciously, look for people who look like your new playmate. And I wonder hmm. if we need to step back from that and say, you know, we really need to get back to finding the person who's the best fit for their skills rather than their social connection to us. Yeah, that's a great observation. I, I think there is a tendency for us to also um, align with f- form friendships with people that are close to our age. So I, I, I heard um, a recent study that said if you ask most people, you know, who are your five best friends, and then ask them what age are, are those five best friends, most people will come up with friends that are fairly close mm-hmm. into their own age. Mm-hmm. And I think to get beyond that, to make friendships that are more diverse um, and make friendships with people of all different ages takes a little bit more of an effort, but can be extremely rewarding. And particularly, you know, in the workplace, I think that is a place where those diverse relationships can actually lead to you know, increased innovation and increased productivity. But I wonder if part of the problem is we try too hard to find same-age friendships rather than focusing on people who are a good activity partner, that is, people with the same kind of interests. Uh, could that be part of that problem? Yeah, I think definitely. I think you're, you're making a really good point that I think finding you know, common, meaningful activities, interests can be a great way to 
to bond with people who are you know very different from ourselves in in some ways such as age or you know other identity factors but then those differences can actually bring out really interesting important um ways to interact as well the AARP, the American Association of Retired People, have done a couple of interesting social study uh, YouTube videos. Uh, one of them shows, uh, they brought in a bunch of young people and asked them to portray and pantomime how a young person, uh, rather I should say a senior, uh, walks across the room. And of course they adopt in various ways the stereotypes of some sort of physical infirmity, walking on a cane or shuffling or these things. Uh, where are these behaviors learned? Well, I think a lot of them comes from, you know, different media and marketing. I mean, we did a study on Facebook groups and found that most of them that featured older people had uh, very negative portrayal, portrayals of older people, and um, some of them even, I think 37% of the groups advocated banning older people from uh, public activities like shopping and driving. And so I think um, I think there's yeah a lot of messages out there in social media that combine with us having an age-segregated society, which doesn't give us a lot of opportunities to interact with people of different ages. I think that those combined, I think, can lead to reinforcement of these negative messages. Is this ageism phenomenon, I guess we could call it, is it something recent? It seems to me a hundred years ago when most of us lived on farms and you had multiple generations living in a household, that this shouldn't have been such a big problem. Is that accurate? Yes, I think that is accurate. So we did a study looking at an age beliefs over time, and unfortunately we found this linear relationship of how um, negative the views of aging are and you know with time. So we did find an increase from more positive views um, a hundred years ago, and then you know the, um, an increase in negative views. You have a new book coming out called Breaking the Age Code, How Your Beliefs About Aging Determine How Long and How Well You Live. It comes out on April 12th this year, 2022, and it will be available on Amazon as a Kindle book. Uh, I see it says an Audible book, a CD, and a hardcover. Um, where else will it be uh, available? Regular bookstores? Yes, it should be available in regular bookstores as well. So, and uh, we have a website that we're creating that people can find the book too. It's my name, age. Um, it's Becca uh, levy.com. And so that also has a, a link to a lot of independent bookstores and ways to order it. So your book is going to show how age beliefs shape all aspects of our lives. And um, it's a blueprint to reduce structural ageism for lasting change and an age-just society. What is an age-just society? Yes, that's a good question. So in the book, Breaking the Age Code, I put together a list of ideas of how we can uh, create an age-just society. And in part, that involves just giving older people opportunities, people of all ages opportunities, and getting rid of ageism and making sure that there's uh, opportunities for uh, people of all ages to work together and be in clubs together and, you know, find ways to uh, coexist in meaningful ways. 
Uh, your book is coming out in about a month. Is there a reason it's coming out at this time? Is this a timely topic? Yes, I, I'm really excited that it's coming out now. I think it's an important time. There was a, a recent study that found that about 82% of Americans reported experiencing ageism and um, we, yeah, you, you've probably heard like the, the popular meme of boomer remover during COVID time, so um, which makes the fun of the idea of you know, older people dying of COVID. So there's just a lot of negative messages that, that are out there, I think, that have gotten worse during the pandemic. So uh, yeah, I think it's a really important time to um, to get the word out that we do have research that and findings that show that we can you know, actually improve views of aging and reduce ageism. Boomer remover. No, I had not heard that term. I don't know how I've been that far out of touch, but that's, <laughs> that's interesting. What's driving the boomer removal thing? Are young people feeling that older adults are in their way for careers and promotion? Uh, you know, I think... I think a lot of it is that there is, you know, media and marketing that's promoted negative views of aging. So I think those negative stereotypes have been promoted by, you know, by different uh, groups that, in some of them, that profit from these negative images of aging. So, so I think just by, you know, perusing social media and, and different forms of media, I think people do come across a lot of these negative messages. And then I think because of the age segregation in our society, they don't have a lot of chances to find out how wrong those messages can be. And I think that in turn can lead, lead to spreading of other negative messages. Well, you made an interesting comment there, and I'll try to couch this in a way that you don't have to point your fingers at any particular industry. But broadly speaking, are there economic incentives to perpetuate age stereotypes? I think there are some companies that do benefit. Um, so, for example, some of the anti-aging industry mm -hmm. um, companies, I think, sometimes do profit from spreading sort of fear around aging and encouraging people to go out and buy different kinds of pills and lotions and get different kinds of cosmetic procedures that avoid aging or find ways to overcome to, markers to of aging. minimize to minimize the effects of aging yes yeah yes yes are we our own worst enemy when it comes to ageism do we perpetuate the stereotypes perhaps unconsciously uh, when we interact with others and and if so what can we do about it well I, I think that we can be um, vessels of these negative messages but I think the good news is that we also can improve and strengthen the positive message about aging. So in our research, we found that just about everybody, even if the first messages that they that comes to mind when they think about aging are negative, most people also have the positive messages in their mind somewhere as well. And so we have found that we can strengthen those in part by encouraging people to think about all the you know positive examples of aging in their own lives and in, in history and media and books and building up a, a repertoire of positive images they can draw on, we found can be really beneficial. What would you say to younger people who will be older someday uh, if they have a real problem about aging? Uh, well, I think because these messages are so, you know, stereotypes are so malleable, I think we can overcome the negative messages 
and build up the positive messages. And, and we, and I found that actually in my own teaching that often um, I find that some younger people, well, it's usually that they don't know about ageism when the semester begins, but, you know, by the end of the semester, when they have learned about it, I think they start to see it in you know, many examples in everyday life and many of them really want to change it and reduce it and find ways to overcome it. Do they become more sensitive to it as they age, you know, through their college years themselves? Yes, I think so. I think often as, as, as we get older, as our loved ones get older, there are many opportunities to think about our own aging and, you know, what we value about it. What's the name of the course you cover this topic in? I teach a course called Health and Aging, which oh. has been really fun to teach. Mm. Well, what else should we know about the book? The book is called Breaking the Age Code by Becca Levy, Ph.D., coming out on April 12th, 2022. Um, and you, are you going to be doing some book tours as well? Yes, I guess so. It's with the pandemic. I don't know how much, how much I'll be touring, but certainly connecting with people as much as I can virtually. And I will be doing some touring, so I, I, I do look forward to, to sharing it. And it, it, it's just been really fun to write. It's given me an opportunity to meet a lot of great people and think about how the science that I've been working on can actually translate to really help people. Well, it's wonderful to have some evidence-based uh, information about this very serious topic, and I really want to thank you for joining us today on the Public Record Podcast. It's been most interesting. Great. Yeah, it's been wonderful to talk with you. This has been the Public Record Podcast, a public service of the Public Record, the Coachella Valley's Business News Weekly. I hope you'll share this podcast with your friends, and be sure to click the subscribe button. I'm Managing Editor Ken Allen. Thanks for listening.